Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork. Teammates, teammates, teammates. Once again, as usual, I always start off by telling you how much I truly, truly appreciate your support. I mean, this thing started like right when quarantine happened and it has grown in ways that you guys would never know. So I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Today, my goodness, today, my goodness, (laughs) I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you meet this young lady. I heard her on a podcast. And it was almost like I was listening to my own podcast. So I'm blown away at the fact that she's actually on and we're able to connect. And you guys are having the opportunity to listen to it. This is Miss Alicia Levy, marketing entertainment guru. I think that's the best way to describe her <laughs> in terms of you know what I've read, what everything she's bringing to the table. And you guys are going to hear from her in a second. But the entertainment marketing guru, Miss Alicia Levy. How are you today, sister? Oh, well, thank you very much for that intro. I, I feel like ready to like jump up and down. That was, that was fun. I am great and I'm so excited to be here and grateful for your time. And it's funny because I felt the same way. We have so many synergies on our shows. And when I listened yes, to your podcast, yes, I yes. was like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I so get that. I'm so aligned with that. Like, yeah, very much. So really excited to have us both here in the same space connecting. So thank but you. That, that's cool about the world we live in now is we can connect with someone and you're in LA, I'm in uh, South Florida, and we can connect with people these days. And you know, that's one of the things I really wanted to get into is really use the platforms we have, the technologies we have today to your advantage. Don't spend time doing nonsense, you know, don't, don't spend time on social media, not connecting and not really just trying to uplift yourself and your community. It's so important. And you guys hear me so say that all the time. So I with agree. that, Alicia, I'll, um, I'll give you the mic for a little bit. Why don't you just sort of introduce <laughs> yourself and give, give the Move Swiftly audience just a little bit about, about, about your background, about what you do and how you came into being such a, a strong marketer and entertainer, entertainment guru. That, that'll be how we refer all to right. you. All right. Yeah, so, you know, I was actually born in Kingston, Jamaica, so I'm a Caribbean girl from the islands. But... We'll go on, Jamaica! <laughs> <laughs> My family's from Trinidad, so, so I'm, I'm there, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so I was, I grew up in Miami, lots of us in South Florida, grew up in yes, Miami, Florida, and... That's, you know, Miami is home when people ask where I'm from. I, I typically say Miami because that's what I know, 305. So a little disappointed about the Miami heat loss, but happy that we made it this far. And, you know, I could go on forever about that. But um, I was a gymnast and a dancer my entire life. So totally understand this athlete mindset and everything that you're doing here. And I know we're going to touch on that, but gymnastics and dance were my passions and what really shaped me. And after my career in gymnastics and dance, I then went on and worked in marketing. My first job was working for Red Bull and kind of Mm -hmm. leading their marketing team down there. Incredible experience. Loved it. Um, 
then moved on to other brands and other companies, ended up working in New York City. I worked in New York for three and a half years. I was really working in sports marketing is what I was doing at the time. And so I was working for a company called Muscle Milk and I was doing like athlete partnerships and uh, mm -hmm. NCAA partnerships and all things brand marketing related, running our field marketing programs. And that led me into just a deep career within marketing and then I decided to make a shift and go over to the brand, to the agency side. And I moved mm -hmm. out to LA and I started working for a PR and marketing agency out here, launched their experiential marketing division, was working with all of those clients and got that agency background. And so at this point now I've worked in Miami, New York and LA. So a lot of really great experience. Um, yes, 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 definitely. Yeah, then I decided to leave my career as a whole, I took a little bit of a break. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I hit this point of burnout last year um, in about August after I did my last big project and decided to just quit my job. And I took what I called my like personal sabbatical and I went to eat, pray, love, as I like to say. Yeah. So I did a little eat, pray, love journey and went to Bali and just took some time off, wow. soul searching, wow. awesome. reading, yeah. connecting, just doing all the things I wanted to. And when I came back from that, I was doing a bit of freelance work and okay. Okay. that, yeah, doing a little bit of freelancing work and then eventually decided to join full time with the company I'm at now. So I work for the largest media house and uh, influencer agency based in the Middle East. So they're based out of Dubai and I run our LA offices and oh, I handle man. all wow. of our talent management and marketing campaigns. So I'm really working in global marketing and also managing talent out here and talent relations. And so that's been yeah. really cool. And so all of my experience has led me to where I am now. And ironically, you know, with COVID hitting, it's been such an interesting time, I think, for a lot of us. Like, you're starting this podcast. I started my podcast. We've all found ourselves with a little bit more time. You know, our social exactly. lives are eliminated yeah, yeah. a bit. Work is at a different pace. I'm usually on an airplane all the time, and that's I not happening imagine, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I, I decided to take this time to focus on some of my passions and things I really wanted to do. When I got back from Bali, I knew that I really wanted to take – the things I've been practicing and learning, the mindfulness, meditation, all of these incredible um, wellness practices, and I wanted to bring them back and bring them to my community in some way. And so that's kind of how I decided to launch my podcast, which is called MOTW, Move Out the Way, which is how we all connected. And also, I decided to go work on my certification in the wellness space. And so I'm also in school right now working on my integrative health coaching certification. I'll be certified by the end of next year. It's, it's a year long program. And so I'm just really using this time during COVID to work on things that I just haven't had the time to do in all honesty. You're just using your time wisely. I mean, teammates, did you hear that? Using her time wisely. So she's not, it's because she's not able to keep up with the lifestyle that she had before does not give her the excuse to just pack it in and say, oh, it's COVID, I can't work anymore. There are things that we can be doing, that you can be doing. If she can do it, if I can do it, there's things that we can create. We're not going to use COVID as an excuse, straight up. It, it, yeah. Just because you're listening right now, <laughs> you don't have the whole, oh, it's COVID, so I'm not getting things done. Let's not write this year off and listen to, oh, well, COVID hits, so I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. 
you just heard a hundred percent and I I went through that phase I will say Mm -hmm. you know I in the beginning I kind of was like binge watching TV and mm-hmm. and not even yeah. a TV person, but we were all in this state of it's only going to be a couple weeks and I don't know what's right. going to happen. But I'm also I think it's the athlete in me. I'm not good at just sitting at home and doing nothing. I'm not good at just consuming content. I'm not good. I'm not the person who can just sit and watch TV all day long. And so yes. I wanted to be out and I wanted to do things, but not being able to do that, I had to find another way to release my energy. And so I decided to put it all into this passion project that was sitting on the back burner because I had no time before. I had no time. Exactly. Right, right, right. I mean, having a podcast is tough. It it really is. And there's a lot of people that come in and out of this. They'll start it and then they'll fade away. So it's not something, even with mine, I never wanted to do it and not be able to have content every single week, you know, have something to give people every single week. Now, I think it's underestimated how how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. Now, with that intro, if you notice, teammates, she didn't mention much of her accomplishments, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's being humble. She's being very modest. She's constantly talking. We'll, we'll get into a lot of the things you're going to be doing later on. But I want to talk a little about, about the things that you've accomplished, because I learned, I learned about a new award just getting prepared for this, something called the <laughs> Reggie Award. I had no idea what that meant, and we'll get into it a little bit later. Before we get into the Reggie Award, Talk about some of the other accomplishments that you're really, really proud of. Okay. Yeah. It's so funny. It is difficult to talk about your own accomplishments. It, it it's is. weird. Very, very it's, it's a weird feeling. Just, so, I mean, we're so focused on going to, to the next one. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. Yo, do we don't. And, and so I guess, you know, I can say I've been a pretty accomplished individual when I was a gymnast. I was a three-time national gymnastics champion. Uh, when I was a dancer, I was an officer on my dance team. I then danced professionally. I was a professional cheerleader for the Marlins and for the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. And I was on the show team. And so from a sport standpoint, mm-hmm. I was very accomplished in my whole life and have always been an incredible athlete. And I've never doubted my abilities in that space, you know, and I think I kind of took that same drive and just wanting more into my professional career. And when I started working in marketing and my career started growing and I realized that there are actually, there are industry awards, there are professional industry awards that you can win. And if you mm-hmm. tell me an award's on the table, like I'm going to go for it, right? Like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. you know, that's the, the, the competitor in me. Yeah. So when I joined my agency, it, we had this wall of like hundreds of trophies. I mean, my agency has won like every kind of award you can imagine. And Mm -hmm. I remember going to the interview and saying to myself, if I take this job, I'm going to win us a trophy. And like, I had that mindset, like, mm -hmm. (laughs) so I kind of like, put that out into the universe and was like, I'm going to win us a trophy. Like I want, because everywhere I work, I also want to leave an impact. I don't believe that you should ever leave a job without accomplishing something. And that's just kind of who I am. It's like starting something and finishing it all the way through. And my goodness, my goodness, goodness. (laughs) she's rumbling boy. Go ahead. Keep it going. (laughs) So I knew in my mind I wanted to do this. And so while I was working at this agency, I started understanding the process and how um, 
you win these awards and it's mm -hmm. basically like the Reggie Award. It's a professional industry award that it really recognizes the best brand marketing campaigns that are done by brands and agencies. And so to win one of these awards, you have to do a campaign that is so stellar that it stands out and it's considered best in class. And you have to drive sales. It has to impact sales because what good marketing does for a brand is it impacts your sales. And so the yeah. Reggie Award, it's actually like a cash register. When you look at what the trophy is, it's a cash register. And it's because, yeah, I was, I was looking at it, yeah. yeah, it's because you're able to make the cash register ring with the campaign that you did. And mm -hmm. So I didn't know specifically it was going to be a Reggie, you know, we actually, my campaign was put up for multiple awards. I would say three campaigns I, I did, three were put up for different awards, but this is the one that actually won the award. And so, you know, when it got down to it, it was just, I put everything into all the projects I did and I worked really, really hard. And I know that just sounds so cliche to just say that I just worked really hard, but mm -hmm. it's really what I did. And I made sure that with every project I did, I was doing it with 110%. And it's just always how I've always operated because I found that as an athlete, as with any job I've held, if you don't do things 110%, like you just don't make a difference. Like, what's the point? You know, I just, exactly. I just, it's not, it's not in me. And so exactly. I worked really hard and, you know, we did this incredible pop-up skate park around the U.S. Open of Surf for our client Got Milk. I was able to bring in like eight pro skateboarders. It, it, it was huge. It was massive. It was this incredible campaign. It was picked up all over the news. I mean, hmm. we had press in like People Magazine. We were everywhere. Wow. And it really moved the needle and the mark. We saw an increase in sales. I was on site at that event every single day. I believe it was open for 10 days straight. So not only did I come up with the idea, then bring it to life, pitch it to our client, go through all the pieces of it. I was on the ground working that event. If anyone came to that event, they likely met me. And so I put everything into that event. And at the end of the day, you know, it won us an award. And so I did exactly what I said I wanted to do when I got to this agency, which right. was deliver work that was going to win us an award. Well, well, con well, first of all, congratulations on, congratulations on that. But my, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of listeners in who are entrepreneurs and they aspire to have their own brands and they aspire to campaign and run some things that are very legit. So what would you say are the essential things that every successful campaign has to have, you know, just from mm. your perspective? You know, I think every campaign has to, you have to have a why behind it, right? Like, why are we a doing why? this campaign? A why? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Why are we doing this campaign? What is the goal that we're trying to accomplish? And really be truly clear on that. Um, so I think you have to have a true understanding of who your audience is, what you're going after, what you're trying to do um, with that campaign uh, to put something together. I think mm -hmm. that you need to do your research and understand what that audience wants as well. And what are they into? How are we going to drive the needle? How is this going to make an impact? There's a lot of research that goes into marketing and being able to execute things well. And specifically, like I was on the event side, you know? Yes. And so yes. I think 
those two pieces are key. And then the third thing I would say is you have to do it with passion and you have to do it well. Yes. Okay. So we got just, I want to take notes, pull, stop your cards, wherever you, I don't know where you listened to this, pull out a pen, jot it down. She said, a why, your research and passion. Without those three things, it will fail. It will fail. <laughs> You'll be wasting your time. Those three things, those, the combination of your why, research and passion can truly, truly change your life. It, I mean, you're hearing from the guru, like I called it before, the guru herself. <laughs> why? What's your why? Do your research and make sure you have passion as you do it. And that kind of leads me into the, the next thing I want to talk to you about because I believe, I don't know when it was, it was either, man, I can't remember when it was, but I know my niece, I watched Gabby Douglas and Simone Biles and there was this big thing with me and my niece because she's, uh, she was just getting into <laughs> gymnastics and stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm kind of an old head. I'm like, yo, she's not, there's no way Simone Biles is better than Gabby Douglas. And, you know, we would go back and forth. And I know she listens to all these episodes. So that's why I was so, so excited to get you on. As a gymnast now, and now we're getting into the sports. As a gymnast, I am sure every day was not easy because I did the research on the sport and I actually trained with a, a young gymnast now, a teacher, some boxing combos. How would you say, you know, what, what would you say the bad days? Talk a little bit about the bad days of being a gymnast and how mm. it helped you get to where you are now and, and you know, progress in this world because yeah. it, it's not an easy world to be in. Yeah, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of bad days in gymnastics. I think when I think back to my gymnastics career and you're exhausted, it's a sport that you train multiple times a week for long hours, very similar to football. You know, you guys are taking a beating and exactly. you are learning bars, beam, floor and vault. So you have four different disciplines to learn and then you're conditioning on top of that and you know on weekends in summertime like you're doing like eight hour days so you're conditioning doing this and you also need like ballet and dance training and there's so many layers to it and so like I would say for me like bad days would be the days that I was just exhausted mentally mm -hmm. and physically exhausted just like how am I gonna go into the gym and right. train today and now this wasn't, was this something that you had at your school, but you had, you didn't have this at the school. You had to go find an actual team huh? or gymnast. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a, I was an AAU gymnast. I was club gymnastics. And so there my school go. did that not. that makes it even tougher because you got to get the practice and then you got to come. Yeah. Through. Right. Right. So it was like, I was dancing at school in the days and then mm -hmm. going straight from school to gymnastics practice and coming home at like 845 at night doing my homework and then waking up and repeating. And so wow. it's a commitment, you know, it, it's a commitment. And I think I practice three to four days a week and mm -hmm. it becomes a lot. And so bad days were definitely the days that you're just like, I'm tired. My body is right. tired. I'm mentally tired. It's also the days that you're learning new skills because as you progress, the sport gets more dangerous and you have to learn new tricks and fear kicks in. So it may be vault day and you're learning that new vault and you're scared to do it. <laughs> and so like that's a bad day in the gym is just like the mental blocks and getting over the fear. But then, you know, the good and when you can do it and you overcome these fears, right? 
that feeling, I can't even explain it. You know, it's just like this high that you can't explain. Yeah. Now, how would you say that that compares to maybe a day in which you're working hard towards a campaign or you're trying to get leads, you're trying to generate sales? How would you say it compares to the things that you're doing now? You know, I think from a mindset standpoint, it's very yeah. similar. Right. Um, obviously, there's not the physical labor that's going into the type of work I'm doing now, um, mm -hmm. but it's the same mindset, you know, like sometimes things feel repetitive or it feels like slow, like you can be in the gym training something that you're not competing for a year. And it's just oh, this man. progression, like it's a progression because until you get the skill to the point of excellence, you can't do it in public. You can do it in the gym, but on, if you're going to miss that catch on the bar, you're not going to go do that in competition. Mm. So you're training this and you could be training and working on a scale for a year in the gym and no one even sees it. And I feel the same oh. way with like the work that you're doing, the, your yeah. podcast, anything yeah. we're doing, like you're putting in the hours and the time and the work and maybe no one listens to it, you know, or exactly. this campaign isn't the one that the client signs off on, or it just falls apart. Like how many pitches you do and then you send it out and it doesn't happen. So it's very similar in that there's a practice, there's a, patient patience that you need to deal with so it's patience taking it one step at a time trusting the process and going through it like progressively yeah and, and, and you know i've what i've learned in this process is that it is the it's i can't even remember who said it but said it was it's not it's important to have an end to a journey but it's the journey that matters in the end all right absolutely absolutely it is the journey that matters in the end because Everything that you just said in terms of having, and how old were you when you were having 12 hour days? Um, I competed from the time I was a kid all the way up and through high school. So 12 hour days from a kid. And this isn't, this isn't shabby stuff. And I'm such an advocate. They were like a, eight hour days. They were like eight hour days. Yeah. <laughs> but you happen to remember these routines. And that, that's the point I'm trying to get across to them is the, remembering these routines on top of just having, you know, schoolwork and all the other stuff these routines aren't easy. And I used to be a strength and conditioning coach for a chair team when I coached high school football, mm, mm -hmm. I would, you know, and I started to learn a lot about, you know, what you guys go through and the flexibility and everything that came with it. And this was a learning process for me because I was a football guy and I never respected you guys as a sport at all. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got in the fitness industry myself and I realized, oh man, and it was, if it wasn't for that whole Gabby Douglas thing and you know, I actually read her book and I, I remember reading about how she went to Iowa and how her parents had to yeah. go through everything. I gained a, such a new level of respect because of what you guys do for the fitness industry. And, well, and I'm going to say thank you right. to that because I think gymnastics is completely underrated. And yes, yes. for when people acknowledge what gymnasts go through, I really appreciate that. So thank you. Yes, yes. And, and again, I was, I was like everyone else who really... And, you know, it, it's probably because the visibility isn't there. It's not like football. And we only see it pretty much, what, like four times a year. In the Olympics or, yeah. In the Olympics. And mm -hmm. it just doesn't capture everyone. But someone who works in the fitness industry, it, it, it's, it's not just a female thing. There are guys who you see them, their arms, their, their body control is incredible. Incredible. Like, if I'm, as a football player, I'm looking back on it now. Had I even taken a class or done something, it would have made me that much better of a football player. So all you athletes uh, out yeah. there listening to this, please don't undermine all the little things that you can do to get your edge.
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really great feedback. And just like us as gymnasts, mm -hmm. we danced as well. Like we did ballet training, stretch, like there were other elements that we, other sports, you know, that we implemented into our training to make us stronger, to make us more flexible, to make us better. And the dance, it was, you had to, it was choreographed. So it wasn't just one of those things. And that's another thing I learned throughout the process is that dance and cheer are two completely different things. They are. Yeah. So yeah. I was a dancer, not a cheerleader, mm -hmm. but exactly. I have a lot of respect for the cheerleaders out there because yeah, I, I had a lot of friends who did all-star cheer and I, it's very difficult, but yeah. So I was a dancer, like trained in ballet, tap, modern, lyrical, contemporary, all of those dance elements. And then a competitive gymnast. And so my dance background really helped me with my gymnastics because I was really fluid and really graceful and just my choreography and abilities to just flow. It, people mm -hmm. always said like I was, it was beautiful to watch me perform. Now, it made, gave it, me better showmanship. Did you do it throughout school or were you, you were doing it with the Dolphins already, right? At that point. So no, I, Dolphins is, pro so technically when you dance for the dolphins it's like professional so you have to be an adult so over 18 to audition and there's a lot of requirements so i competed gymnastics up until high school and then i coached it so i retired after high school just exhaustion injuries right. and took that time to then stay in the sport through coaching and then from coaching, um, I actually ended up working for the Miami Heat as a trampoline dunker for the Miami Heat. I was kind <laughs> no of... No way. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so man. I was I was on the Miami Heat Extreme Team, one of two female dunkers uh, in my time there. And I spent well, two seasons at, at the Heat. So I was able to take that gymnastics background. One of the friends I coached gymnastics with, he happened uh -huh. to be on the Miami Heat Extreme Team. And told yeah, me about auditions. About yeah, yeah. yeah. So I went to the auditions and ended up making it on the team. I was the youngest person on the team. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'll never forget that because my parents had to sign a waiver because I was like <laughs> not 18 yet. <laughs> right, right, right. And it was incredible. And so from there, then I, after I did the Miami Heat is when I went over to the Dolphins and did the pro mm -hmm. cheering, which was in my 20s. Okay. And now that you went to school on top of that? Yep, I went to school. I've always done a lot of things. I'm not good at yeah, sitting yeah. still. I've realized I like a busy schedule. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, where'd you say you were from again? <laughs> Everyone <laughs> says that. It's so funny. What was that island that you said you were from? <laughs> I, I, I'm you know, I am a true Jamaican. You know, <laughs> there are things that people joke around. They're like, you're definitely not Jamaican. Then things like this, they're like, oh, you're definitely Jamaican. <laughs> I've had quite a few experiences with, with the whole, that whole island. Growing up as a, in a Trinidadian household, there was a lot of, okay, she's a Jamaican. So I, I feel you. I definitely feel you. But it's, it's all love, really, because you got to respect the hustle. You have to respect the hustle. No matter what, you got to respect the amount of things you're willing to do. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, just what, it was two weeks ago, I had a guest on who's from Jamaica, and he's starting an American football league out in Jamaica. And oh, wow. Got into the, yeah, it's called the JNTFA, and you'll, you'll hear from him in a couple of weeks his episode will come out. But, yeah, same thing. You know, it's one of those things where you just got to be very proud of doing it, coming from where you guys come from, and then having that natural talent. 
because he was talking about how the scouts would come out and look at, you know, these are kids who, you know, soccer and track are their primary sport. And he's talking about how the scouts would come out and it looks like they've been playing American football for years. Mm. So you definitely have not, how long did you live there? I was young. So I left Jamaica when I was like five, five years old. But I mean, you basically, if you're in Miami, you're basically in Jamaica. (laughs) And I grew up in like a Jamaican part of Miami. So I feel like. (laughs) It's crazy. I felt like I'm, but I've only been in South Florida for about three, three and a half years now. And people were telling me, oh yeah, Jamaicans, you don't feel like you're home. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely, I agree with that. Man. All right, so let's talk a little bit about now what you're what you're up to these days. I know you mentioned you're you're getting into the wellness space, and you're kind of like these as people are listening in, they understand you're constantly evolving. What are you hoping to see happen? What initiatives are you taking when it comes to your wellness practices? Yeah, so wellness has been a huge part of my life, and has really transformed my life I would say over the past few years where I've discovered things like meditation and Mm -hmm. I really implemented a good self-care practice saying no to things like just understanding the things that bring me joy which I didn't understand when I was younger because as you can see I like to do a lot of things and so I was really good at having a really full plate and not knowing how to prioritize my life not really understanding balance and so that created a lot of stress and anxiety in my life and all honesty and being a perfectionist as well, you know, having to understand that perfection doesn't exist and, you know, just kind of balancing all of these feelings and wanting to do everything. And one thing that I've always wanted to do is I've always known that I've just, I wanted to make a difference. And we talked about this a little bit in the beginning, Mm -hmm. whatever it is I'm doing in my life. Like I've always been a leader. I always want to make an impact. I always want to make a positive impression on people. And that's really something that sits heavy on my heart and the wellness space has really changed my life the deeper I've gone into it and the more I've learned and learned to understand myself I would say is what I've really discovered along the way is I've learned to understand myself everything from foods that make me feel good and foods that don't make me feel good like how my diet affects my life to my sleeping patterns to how meditation helps calm anxiety and just how I view life is like through a different set of eyes like there's a lot less stress and fear because of the things I've learned and so I decided to take it to the next level and I'm working on my integrative health coaching certification through a company called IIN and they're the leaders in health coaching. And so once I am certified, I'm able to write books. I'm able to host wellness retreats, which is really the angle I want to go. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to impact as many lives as I can Mm -hmm. because really and truly, I didn't grow up understanding these practices. I didn't understand mindfulness. I didn't understand meditation. Even as a gymnast, it wasn't something that was taught to us. And so I would love to bring this back to the world of athletes, but also back to the communities where I come from, where Mm -hmm. you don't have access to these things. And so that's something I'm really working on is just bringing well-being practices, making it more accessible and approachable for everyone, helping everyone learn how to balance their mind, body, and spirit, and just live their best lives. So give me, sort of give me an example, though. When you say wellness, you know, when I think of wellness, and there's been several guests on here that I'm part of a wellness company named LifeVantage, where we, you know, we do a lot of those kinds of things. 
But when you say wellness, give me an example of what you would like, let's say your younger self that didn't understand the wellness that you're on now, what would you tell your younger self? I think I would tell my younger self that a lot of the fears and things I'm worried about are actually don't exist. And wow. I would teach my younger self how to calm those fears. And like what kinds was, of things were you, were you afraid of? Yeah. So like everything from creating, when I was competing in gymnastics, mm -hmm. creating fears in my mind of injuries that never happened. Ooh, right? Like, yeah. Oh man, that was me all day, dog. Yeah. That was me as a football player, man. And, and listen, I played next to, well, you, you know Jelani. Jelani was all, like, he was the best player as a sophomore and I was a senior. So he was better than everyone. Wow. So I had that, oh my God, he's going to take my spot. And if you listen to the podcast, he, he almost, he came to me. He's like, I look up to you, Aslan. And that kind of shook me <laughs> just when he said that, yeah, if you heard it. Yeah. But I was looking up to him and he was three years younger than me. And it was that mm. same anxiety. Like if I had someone, I don't, I don't mean to cut yes. you off. Yes. Like no, no, a hundred. <laughs> that's how I felt. Like, I feel oh. like I psyched myself out with a lot yeah. of skills and skills I was doing in the gym, but then scared to bring out into competition or skills mm -hmm. that I never actually injured myself or never fell, but had this fear of even trying, you know? And so yeah. just from that standpoint, I created so much fear in my life and like limiting beliefs out of, I don't know why, like, I can't yes. tell you why, but had I known the things I know now, the practices I know about how powerful your mind is and that the things that you think become, you know, then I would have never thought those things. It would be like, I'm going to land this double. I'm going to land this double, not I may fall and hurt my neck. Like, you know, like you think of all oh, the man. things. Totally, like, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm visualizations, like learn. So just, yeah, I, I feel like there was a lot of fear in that world of my life that mm -hmm. had I had better mindset practices, I could have done better. Even balance, even better balance. Because another reason I kind of left the sport was it was hard to balance because I love doing so many things. I love dancing. Mm -hmm. I love gymnastics. School was important to me. I wanted to do it all, right? But we can yes. only do so much. So I probably could have still done it and gone to college gymnastics had I had a better way of balancing it and learned how to prioritize the things I love versus like the big blocks, you know, what are the things I really want versus yes. just the things I'm just doing. And so like those types of practices are what I'm learning now that would have completely yes. shaped my life. And it's the same thing with even career jobs I didn't go after. Like I've had a very successful career, but jobs I didn't go after because I felt like, oh no, I'd never get hired. Or, you know, just like you, you create these limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. For what reason? I don't know. <laughs> I have no yeah, idea. And, and listen, I'm, I'm a victim of it. There's so many times yes. you know, I, I wanted to be a football coach. But as I told you, I grew up in a Caribbean household. So no one knew American football. I was the only one in my oh, yeah. entire family. So by the time it came time to pick my career, I was intimidated by white coaches. I really was. Mm -hmm. I was intimidated by coaches that had fathers in this business. And for years, it, it just... I held myself back because I was so timid around certain coaches. And this is a sport where as soon as you show any kind of timid or vulnerability, you get eaten alive. You get eaten alive Oof. and you get looked over for a position. It's like, 
I wish I would have had that kind of mindset, knowing that they're no better than me and I'm no better than them. They were all in the same space. And we oh my gosh, yes. Like, you know, someone's better than us just because they know a certain guy or they may have inherited this. A hundred percent. And I felt that way about so many things in my life because, you know, I came here as an immigrant. My parents were mm -hmm. working really hard. We didn't have much. Like even for me, doing gymnastics was really, really difficult for my family. But we found so many ways to make it work because I was really good at it. And right. even my gyms didn't want to lose me. And so we found ways to make it work. But I always felt intimidated. And... Right. It, it felt different because I was like, well, what happens now? And I'm not this person or that person or my family doesn't do this, you know, and it's yes. you start comparing yourself and feeling less than and all of that stuff. Those are mental blocks and things that you can be coached through at a young age. Right. And a lot of people don't realize how much that affects your adulthood. Like those to me, the most critical years are from 18, 19, 20, 21 and 22. There's a real shift in terms of what you're responsible for. And it happens so quick. And, and I've, I've wrote, I've told people this all the time. Now in this social media fueled society, now with Instagram and all the stuff we have going on, I couldn't imagine, like I am scared for my niece and nephew. Oh my gosh, <laughs> to have to I agree with you. Where they are, where they're judged by this like button. So when they get to those years and they're looking at their likes or they're looking at you know, they're trying to take the perfect picture. My sister is always like, dude, you got to stop being overprotective. But every time I see her take a picture where she's posing, I lose it. <laughs> All right. I lose it. <laughs> I <laughs> know. I, I, I worry. I mean, you, you, could, you could disagree with that, but I worry about them in terms of do you, why are you caring so much about people that won't be in your life? And what, I, what really clicked, what really clicked, and it took me some time to realize is no one gave a shit about how good of a football player I was. No one's going to care. And you heard from Jelani, this is the one who made it all the way. Does anyone care about the fact that he made it to the NFL, that he was the best mm -hmm. linebacker probably that Maryland has ever seen? No one cares, guys. <laughs> no one does. Yeah. Yeah. And we spent so much time, so, spent so much, much time, time trying to outdo him or compete against each other. And, and he'll tell you, at our school, that's all we were asked. We weren't really asked to do much academically. Now, he was an overachiever and got 4.0s and all that. But our main thing was, are you going to beat DeMatha? Are you going to beat DeMatha? Mm. <laughs> and I don't know <laughs> if you've heard of DeMatha, but DeMatha is one of the top. Uh, there's St. Thomas Aquinas, which I'm sure you know about. But yep, it's the St. Thomas. That has the most players in the NFL. And they were one of our rivals. DeMatha was one of our rivals. And that's all I cared about for four years. And that anxiety just constantly, constantly. And now we're adults and no one cares, dude. And I'm telling you kids this right now. No one cares. What they're yeah. going to care about is what Alicia's saying in terms of how are you going to balance that? How are you going to use your career? How are you going to use the things you're going through now to apply it to your life? And what kind of, what are you playing for? Because I'm going right. to tell you straight up, harsh reality. 1% makes it. And as you can see, even if you're in that 1%, it's a very, very small part of your life anyway. That's Woo! such great, Man, that's such great advice. Right. No, Whoa. It, yeah. Whoa. That's Whoa. such great you advice. Go to church, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. All right. Anyway, yeah, I get lost sometimes. When people say good shit, I start to lose it. So it's kind of. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. This is fun. All right. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, like uh, with all my guests, I do this thing called word association. I'm going to say, and this is the, I'm going to close after this. 
I'm going to say four words, and I want you to give me a quick one-word answer of what you think of when you hear these four words. Cool? Okay. Cool. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Word number one, unique. Unique. Ooh. I mean, I'm going to say myself. Say it again, though. Say it again, though. I'm going to say myself. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I'm going to say myself. When you say unique, that's something I've always said. Like, I've just always been different. Love it, love it, love it. All right, word number two, spirit. Spirit. I'm mm -hmm. going to say Gabrielle Bernstein. You, I'm not sure if you know who she is, but. I do, I do. I do. Yeah, I'm a big name. fan of her work and her books and just finished a book she wrote called Spirit Junkie. So off the top of my head, mm -hmm. Gabrielle Bernstein comes to mind and she's a great spiritual leader. There you go. All right. Word number three, adversity. Oof. That's just oh, yes. life. 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 <laughs> and you guys felt that one. Did you hear the sigh? <laughs> the word It's almost like somebody hit her like, woo. Rob, she worked in New York, she worked in Miami, she worked in LA. So people are happy if they just get one of those. <laughs> so you hear it from <laughs> adversity, life. Love that one. All right, final word, feeling. So healing or feeling? Feeling with an F. Feeling, love. Mm -hmm. uh, love Beautiful. comes to mind. Just love is everything. I want to live my life just filled with love. It is all the feelings. Love. Marianne Elliot, Marianne Williamson, a return to love. Yes. Love Marianne. Love Marianne. Marianne. Yeah, yeah. She, she's dope. She's dope. She is dope. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Deepest fear that mm. we're powerful beyond measure. There's our life. Yes. Our, okay, I'm gonna, let, me, let me stop because whoo. I might get going again. I might get going again. <laughs> get and this is why we're so aligned. We like all the same <laughs> books and authors and leaders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great minds think alike. And they listen. Uh -huh. To you listeners, you listeners, every single guest that I bring on it, I don't just bring anyone on here. Trust me, and you guys have been listening enough for a while, and you know we're going places with this. Uh, there's things that me and her are going to discuss. We just can't put it on the air right now. But trust me, just stay with us. I know it's not an easy world to live in. I, I just I got done talking about this. Stay close to this, to, to how connected we are as a society and understand what's happening right now is very real. Wherever you're listening from, hold on to these words. Trust me, I spent time sleeping in my car. I've spent time sleeping in my car and you guys know this. There's so many ups and downs that life is gonna throw you that when we get an opportunity to connect with someone and she is, again, we're on separate coasts right now. You're on separate coasts. <laughs> <laughs> this is real all right it's very real and i hope you guys really took notes and and really understood everything that's going on thank you uh, this was great you know, it was my pleasure it's my pleasure but before i officially close i want to give you the opportunity to plug anything promote anything you can move out the way pocket hopefully we get them every thursday now you know i don't, <laughs> I don't like it when you guys <laughs> episodes on me my yeah, you know, it's not the same, you know? Oh, that, that really means a lot to me. Yeah, so, you know, I also have a podcast if you'd like to hear some more. It's called MOTW, Move Out the Way. We're helping you move out the way and talking about all things mindfulness and spirituality. So you can find us on Apple and on Spotify. And you can also find me on Instagram at Miss Alicia Lee. All right, all right, is that it? Yep, that's it. All right.
fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We'll talk more soon. Not knowing if we did or not. 